Hello, and welcome to another episode of Quantum of Misses, a James Bond podcast. I'm Christopher, and this is The Misses. Hello, I'm Fiona. Thank you for downloading our podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Now, Fiona and I, for a long time, have considered bringing perhaps another couple into our most intimate uh, activities. Uh, And tonight, we have done that. And they've also watched the James Bond film and are going to have the podcast with us as well. So, uh, would you like to introduce yourselves? Yes, uh, my name is Craig and this is the missus. Hi, I'm Kate. Thank you for downloading our podcast. I hope you enjoy it. So, as you can see, they're well into the swing of it. Swing, if you understand what I mean, um, of that. And tonight, the Bond film that we've watched um, is a 1964's Start of Bond Mania Goldfinger, starring hey, Sean hey. Connery. You didn't what? sing it. Oh, sorry. It's 1964's Goldfinger. Were you told that? Were you told, Kate and Craig, that uh, you can't say the name of the film without singing it in the style of the the title song? Was that made clear to you? Uh, yes. No. Okay, because it's too late to to back out at this point. So yes, Goldfinger. So. Uh, before we start, before we go on to that though, let's uh, let, let's learn a little bit more uh, about our guests. So, uh, Kate, if we can start with you, um, for, before you watched uh, Goldfinger, uh, Goldfinger, what was your um, what, what was your history with Bond? Have you seen Bond films before, for example? Only the ones from the last say ten years. Oh, da- Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig and a couple of the older Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. That's okay. And and have you you've seen these at the cinema, I assume, or maybe yeah. on TV on cinema. No cinema. And, and have you enjoyed them? Yeah, they were okay. Okay, but you've never sought out Bond uh, otherwise. No. No. Okay. I've always had issues with following the plot. Oh, I see. Well, we can help you with that in terms of uh, Goldfinger. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, Craig, what about your uh, history with uh, with Bond? Well, I've been a fan of Bond for years. I mean, probably over 25 years. And um, Goldfinger was actually the very first Bond I can remember. Goldfinger! That <laughs> <laughs> was the uh, probably the first Bond I can actually remember. Oh, right. And was that from the TV or was that from... Yeah, a, from, right? from TV. Yeah. Okay, because that is obviously the basis of our podcast is yeah. that for people... Uh, Kate and Craig, I think it's fair to say, are, are, are a little younger than, than Fiona and myself. Yeah. Um, but I think people of your age, pro- you, you might be probably the sort of youngest generation for whom seeing them on the TV showings was the first time you saw them rather than, you know, on DVDs or, or videos and that kind of thing. Yeah. And the idea that they were broadcast in a fairly random order, which is why we have a randomised, uh, randomised uh, order for 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 the Bond films. So you, so have you seen? Do you think you've seen most all of the Bond films by now? All of them, yeah. Right, and and so okay, well, let's ask you some straightforward questions. Who's your favourite Bond? Uh, Daniel Craig. <sighs> oh, that is that not sacrilege for a Scottish person like yourself? Uh, but he's young. No. He's still Scottish. I I, I think that... I mean, Connery was very good, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Tough act to follow. But Mm -hmm. I think most of... I think all the... Most of the other actors that have played Bond have done so fairly well, I think. Okay. So what sets Daniel Craig apart from the the others? 
Um, it, maybe it's a different time, like as in you know now versus the sixties when Sean Connery started. But uh, I think he brings more of a kind of a, a grit and realism to Bond that some oh, others didn't. Okay. It's, Roger Moore is probably the worst Bond in my opinion, but I don't okay. know if that's because of the the era of films he was in. It, it was a bordering on some of his films are bordering on cartoonish. Okay, and and that that isn't that doesn't fit in with what you like from your Bond. No. Okay. Um. And so, what's your favourite uh, Bond film? Um. When push comes to shove. Oh. Well, uh, although I've just said Daniel Craig's my, probably my favourite Bond actor. Probably. Um, Golden Eye. Oh. Probably my favourite film. Okay. Um, it's, it's a toss up between that or License to Kill. Oh, that, that's controversial. I don't think, I don't think Golden Eye being your favourite is controversial. I think License to Kill uh, might be. It's a different type of bond. Is, is that, is that why you like it? Because yeah, well, well, feel. It, it, it was more, I think they were they were trying something different with Bond at that point. I think more more in line with with uh, maybe kind of Hollywood action films mm. as opposed to. Uh, a and you obviously think, you obviously think they kind of slightly succeeded in that anyway. I I liked it. Yeah, okay. I thought Timothy Dalton was a very underrated Bond. Oh, and it's a shame he only got two films. We we might need to have uh, have Kate and Craig back when we get to Dalton's because uh, that's. I have a feeling we'll only get Craig back. Oh, do you think? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Ken might be a bit more under duress at this point. <laughs> okay. Well, well, let's let's crash on uh, together then, shall we? Um. So, uh, right. So we've got uh, Daniel Craig, your favorite Bond. Golden Eyes, your favorite film. Uh, who, assuming you know, obviously we're dealing. You don't have to justify this in any way. Who's your favorite Bond girl? Ooh. Um, he's thinking. He's thinking hard. As he's thought long and hard about who about girls over the years. I actually quite like Pussy Galore from this film. Oh, pushy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I have to say I do hope there'll be lots of uh, Connery impersonations <laughs> in this podcast. As if we've all not put our teeth in properly. Uh, especially when he says pushy. Which I, th- to be honest with you, I, I actually thought when I was watching this film, I know we kind of stumbled into the gold finger discussion now, um, that most of what we stereotypically think of as Sean Connery's voice might come from him saying pushy a lot. Um, so okay, pushy glow. And who is the best Bond villain? The best Bond villain. Best Bond villain. Ooh. The BBV, the best Bond villain. The villain who's the best of the Bond villains. Best. Right. I'm just feeling while he thinks. That I'm just saying the same thing. I like helps the listener. I liked Scaramanga. <gasps> the man with the golden yeah. gun. Yeah. Because he was almost he was pitched as 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 near equal to Bond, yeah. at least in terms of the skill for the kill. Okay. Now Kate, I, I appreciate it. I didn't ask you those questions. Do you what would you like me to ask those questions? Or, or are you happy for me to not ask you those questions? I'm happy for you to not right. ask those questions. Shall we crash on then to Goldfinger? Let's. Okay. So I think I'll, I'll let you start, Fiona, as I often do. What was your basic overall impers- impression of Goldfinger, the film, not the song, not the person? Well, 
apart from a few fundamental issues I have with it, mm -hmm. mainly around the treatment of women, mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. Ah! <laughs> I think we, we will come back, I mean, we'll definitely come back to that. But, uh, so, so you, why did you enjoy it? What was, what were the most enjoyable aspects of it? Um, I don't know, there's a bit of an intrigue when we didn't even know what the, the villain's plot was. Mm -hmm. So there's a bit of a like, you're going along with Bond trying to figure it out. Though obviously it was mansplaining to him in the end. And then, um, <laughs> I enjoyed, Pussy Glore being some kind of in-charge woman, mm -hmm. in charge of other women. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I just, I, I enjoyed it. There's lots of gadgets and wit and all the stuff you want in a Bond film, so that's that's why I enjoyed it. Okay. Kate, what were your uh, overall impressions? Goldfinger! Um, I think I went in with quite low expectations, to be honest, both of my ability to follow the plot and also the film. But I actually did quite enjoy it. Oh, very like, good. Got my head around the plot. And, yeah, although I, there was bits of it that were, I kind of thought it was maybe a comedy. But I don't mm -hmm. think it was meant to be. Oh, I think it was. I think, yeah, they were definitely deliberately putting in funny elements to try and widen the appeal of, yeah. of James Bond at this point. Oh well, yeah, it was it was funny. Right. And but do you think there was bits the bits obviously that were intentionally funny, do you feel there were bits that either at the time or have now become unintentionally funny? Yes. Right. Yeah. Are we talking about Sean Connery's Terry Towling bathrobe here? Uh I have a whole thing to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wondered if, if you might I actually had half an idea of somehow getting myself a Terry Towling bathrobe Don't. to wear for this recording. It would be very short, like Sean Connery's was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say you would have the look of a baby. <laughs> and um, and I don't think that, that would work for you, darling. <laughs> okay, well, before we start talking about the film properly, let's just have uh, Craig's... Uh, General impression of, of Goldfinger. Goldfinger! I, I think Fiona, to be fair, is, is, is covered what, or I echo Fiona's sentiments on it. Uh, it was probably, for me, it's the, the quintessential iconic Bond. Ooh. It's got the, you know, it's, it's got all the gadgets, it's got the, the probably the most iconic theme song. What theme song is that then? That is Goldfinger. <laughs> We're gonna get Kate there um, before the end of the podcast. You know, it, it, it's got it, you know he's got his martinis, he's got his witty lines, he's got his Walter PPK. Mm. It's all there. It's all there. Everything that I, you expect. Another thing I really like is the way that he's basically kept prisoner, but he kept his cool throughout. Mm -hmm. So I just that was epitome of Bond. I think was him staying cool. You know, yeah. Egypt. Pressured situation. In a dire situation. Okay. Yeah. okay, so so the film starts then with the uh, pre-title sequence in unnamed Latin American country uh, where uh, Bond has to uh, blow up a uh, refinery. I'm trying to I'm searching my mind for the details of uh, what was involved there. I think it was something to do with heroin, smuggling heroin-flavoured banana. It was pointless. Yeah. Yes, and... Uh, 
Well, it wasn't pointless. Didn't it? Didn't it just get a little bit of excitement? Just set up a flight. That was the only. It set up his flight to Miami, where Goldfinger was. Where who was? Goldfinger. Yes, but I mean, I, I, the thing I love, I love about the, the Bond pre-title sequences is they are that little bit of adventure that you don't need to worry about what the plot of this adventure is. It's just, just enjoy this. Yeah. Like, oh, this is quite exciting. Um, he uh, meets a sort of femme fatale uh, dancer uh, and begins to seduce her, but is interrupted by uh, the world's whitest looking Latin American person um, who he overpowers and uh, throws into the bath and eventually kills by the really quite brutal method of electrocuting him with a fan heater. But then followed up with a classic Bond oh. line of Shocking. Shocking. Positively shocking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, see now, now, does that line, do you think that line essentially undercuts the horrific murder that he has just <laughs> perpetrated? I mean, I know the guy was reaching for his gun to shoot him, but you know, it was a, it was a bad way to go for, uh. It lightens the mood. <laughs> So then, this is something that I think we have to call, I think we have to address the bond quite a bit. Is this is this sort of undercutting brutality or nastiness with? Oh, that's quite funny. So we'll let you away with that, James. Mm-hmm. Is that something maybe that that you have a problem with, Fiona? No. No, Kate. No. No. Okay. It makes good films. All right. <laughs> Any other uh, remarks upon the uh, the title? Now, this is the danger of. of this is, I wrote DJ underneath. What does that mean? Uh, he was in his wetsuit. Oh yes, that was a good point. Mm-hmm. That he was swimming in, blowing up the thing, and then he stripped off his wetsuit and he had uh, a tuxedo underneath so he could just mingle with the crowd. That was cool. Mm-hmm. I liked that, I enjoyed that. I also liked the, the taxidermy he had on the top <laughs> of his, um, the, the, top of his wetsuit. The, it was a the pigeon, duck, was it a duck? duck, was it a duck? Um, but also, the, the one thing I, I found curious was that he was clearly blowing up this drug operation yeah. they had going. It, it seemed rather convenient that they had um, what looked like quite a large stash of nitromethane, which is uh, rocket fuel, basically, mm-hmm. or dra- drag racing fuel, right. next to this drug um Whatever the sort of, uh, yeah. But I wondered if maybe this was the sort of legitimate face of the drug operation. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so that you don't think these two things would necessarily... Craig has some professional expertise. <laughs> well, in, no, not in the area of drugs, <laughs> I would say. But in the area of chemicals. Um, which we, which but I think it was just so convenient. Yes, it was rather convenient. Okay, all right. Uh, certainly the, the, the tuxedo... Underneath the wetsuit is a, a iconic Bond moment. Mm. Uh, I think uh, I do often. I do often always wonder though. But what about his flippers? You know, he must have presumably he was wearing flippers when he was diving. And where did he get his shoe? Were they were his shoes tucked in the wetsuit as well? They're in the duck. No, because he threw the duck away. Yeah. Uh. can't be. Now the duck. I would say the, the, this scene and another scene. Uh, well, this scene was the source of my mother for years thinking that those plastic ducks that you can buy in, like, hunting and shooting stores were supposed to be worn on your head <laughs> because James Bond did it in Goldfinger. And she then pointed to a similar <laughs> scene. Goldfinger? 
Goldfinger. She then, hoisted by Yopata. Uh, she then pointed to a similar scene as proof of this, but that scene was in a lower low, where the same kind of thing happens. But uh, so yes, yeah, so the, the the taxidermy is 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 interesting too. So we went from the um, the pre-title into the title sequence, which we will talk about in two separate ways. First of all, the theme song. Goldfinger. By Miss Shirley Bassey. Dame Shirley Bassey. Dame Barley Chassey. She, she sang it well. She did. With, with passion and feeling. I was thinking about this while it was playing and also subsequently. And I was thinking, I'm not sure that, that, that there was any song like Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Before Goldfinger. It's almost like the song itself created a whole um, genre. genre of big, bratty ballads. And, uh, I mean, there may be some sort of heritage in sort of big MGM musicals of the 30s and 40s, no business like show business kind of stuff, but they're not quite the same. And I find it hard to imagine a time when I wasn't aware of the song Goldfinger to compare other bombastic songs to. Bombastic. Bombastic. I th- I think it launched the the you know the, the big song for a Bond film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, you, you go through the ones. Well, Shirley Bassey, the Diamonds Are Forever, Moonraker. Mm-hmm. They're both big. You know, not maybe not quite as powerful as Goldfinger, but they're certainly they're in that there. mold. Yeah, aren't oh, they? definitely. Um, and then go up through the films I was mentioning earlier: License to Kill, Golden Eye. They're mm-hmm. on that kind of. Mm-hmm. They're cut from that cloth mm-hmm. for those films. So uh, what was before this film? Before so this film was Doctor No, which did which didn't have a no. song at the titles. Just music. From just Russia music. With Love. And from Russia with Love, which again didn't have the vocal version on uh, the titles. It was, was just it, the was it Frank Sinatra? Matt Monroe Matt song Monroe. from Russia with Love. So this was the first time that we had the the, the song. Well, you're right. She paved the way because. Um, from there on in, it's kind of what we say to yeah. you, yeah. isn't it? And I also think, as, as, as you said there, Craig, I think any time that the Bond films come back to this kind of diva doing these big, this big ballad, there isn't so much speculation or criticism of the song in those circumstances as there is when they have a pop group, a male singer, a different kind of song. But it's, it's what people want. Because basically, yeah, we're expecting Goldfinger. Yeah. Okay, what about the, the visuals of the uh, of the title sequence? Well, as we've seen a few now, mm-hmm. obviously very women-focused. Mm-hmm. This one I didn't feel too bad. At mm-hmm. least, you know, she had some underwear on. Yes. And the projections onto a gold woman was actually, you know, stylish enough for me to quite enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The only one point which I found to the point of comical... Mm-hmm. Was when they the the projection onto the woman was her arm and it was a snooker. Um, no, it was golf. Oh, was it golf? Yeah. And they hit the ball and it ran over her arm and then down into a cleavage. And it was you missed this. But yeah, that was the point. Where it was like ah, you've gone too far then. You were well, classy you up until that point. And and well, classy as much you can be with these title sequences but um but no that that's the point where i thought i actually laughed out loud to that so. but I, I, this is a point I, I think you were meant to laugh out loud at that i think that was deliberate mm. i think that was deliberately funny 
And, yeah, and it was very effective. You didn't notice but, it. It was very effective. Yeah, but I don't. I, I think pick. Either, you're either going to be stylish or funny. You can't mm-hmm. be both. Well, you can't be both. No. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Kate, Craig, any comments on the the title sequence? I thought it was a bit unimaginative. Oh. Well, just because, like, you know, from the point of view of what they could have done, you know, like projecting scenes from the film uh-huh. onto other bits. I'm not exactly didn't exactly take much skill or thought. Okay. You want something a bit more, a bit bigger. Oh. It, it was a bit uh, cheap, like yeah, like a simple. bit cheap, yeah, yeah, a bit, bit too simple for oh. my liking. I think. Let me defend it by saying I think bear in mind this film is fifty five years old uh, as at the time of recording, um, and the previous film from Russia with Love, not to spoil it for Fiona when when she sees it, had the, the 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 words the actual type projected onto the actual titles projected onto a woman's body. Um, so this so it kind of was a step further by having the scenes projected rather than the yeah. having action projected. I think we are used to quite a lot of. Quite clever and pleasing graphics. Yeah, and like obviously that. that's what I think what that's what I'm comparing it to is maybe the more recent ones. Mm. We are they probably can do a bit more, but it was a different time. It was a different time. That means something else in these podcasts. Yes, we'll, we'll definitely say it's a different time. <laughs> Almost immediately, in fact, because we opened in uh, Miami Beach. How about this for an exotic location? It's not an exotic location. It was. It looked. I would love to go to Miami Beach in but, 1964. You know, it had to um, feed the tourist trade as well. That was mm-hmm. part of its job as a bun film. Mm-hmm. Lovely helicopter shot, including somebody diving on cue. It would seem mm-hmm. for the for the helicopter. But we're not appreciating any of that. So we find our hero. Uh, well, first of all, we see um, who we turns out to be. Uh, CIA agent uh, Felix Leiter, good friend of uh, James Bond, played by C. Slinder uh, in this film. And he comes upon our hero, James Bond, who is uh, uh, in the midst of, I think it's a massage, isn't it, that he's having from Dink? The lovely Dink. Now, before we speak about Dink, let me tell you that the the woman onto whose body all the uh, um, images were projected uh, in the title sequence is Margaret Nolan, who played Dink. And Margaret Nolan, Fiona, you might remember from okay. the film, from the film Carry On Girls, because she was the other beauty queen who had the fight with Barbara Windsor and the oh, the one that stole the bikini. Yes. Oh. So I see that was Margaret Nolan. So, but I think I think there might be a bit of different time as goes on uh, in the first scene between uh, Bond, Felix, and uh, Dink when uh, Dink is told to say goodbye to Felix because this is. Man talk. Mm. Man talk. Because was Dink another... Was she meant to have any kind of role? Well, she hadn't, she hadn't been in previous films or anything. I think she was just supposed to be Bond's current squeeze okay. in Miami. Right. So are we, are we all accepting that man talk is not acceptable? Yeah, but if, it's more... They could have easily said... We have to do top secret spy business now. Yeah, and she wasn't top secret spy. I mean... <laughs> She might not have known they were top secret spies. Yeah, but he could have just said this is work business and she doesn't work with them. Mm-hmm. So that would be more of a reason for her to go away. But she seemed to understand man talk meant she had to leave. Well, they did in those days. Did they, though? 
It was the, the it was the yeah the slap on the backside yeah. with the the sound effect as well. Which <laughs> it's a lot louder than any slap on the bum yeah. in real life. Yes. That, yeah. Uh, that. yeah no, that that's that's the cherry on the cake, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. Uh, but at this point, obviously, we're introduced to uh, Shifan, um, half naked. Uh-huh. I'd like to say he's a very sexy man. Is was he? Is he? Was he? Is he? Well, he's not now. He's like an old man. Okay. But he was. <laughs> he was in those days. I don't, do you know what Grey came along to? Right. You've got higher standards, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want the Daniel Craig Bond. Yeah. Uh, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, what, what do you find particular? Compared to, I mean, we've seen, uh, in, in the course of this podcast, Vera, we've seen uh, Roger Moore and uh, Pierce Brosnan. Is, is Shashon more... Uh, is he definitely, sexier than them? Definitely beats Roger Moore. Why does he beat Roger Moore? Because Roger Moore isn't attractive. Not at all? No. Okay. I think he might look a bit too much on my dad. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but Timothy Dalton was quite sexy too. But I don't know, there's some kind of um, glint in Shashon's eyes or some kind of maybe arrogance that I'm going to rave against and also be attracted to. Oh. <laughs> but, it may be, but maybe that's Bond. Maybe that's... The character. The character. And, and the brilliant acting of Chiffon is, is the issue that is attracting me to it. Oh, okay. Might it be the hairy chest? I do like hairy man. Hairy man's a happy man. A hairy wife's a witch. As they say in 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 my you're the only one that says that. You I I've heard other people have said that. I didn't I didn't make it up. <laughs> I don't agree with it on a on a on a on a level. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm in this hole and I'm going to keep digging. Um, so uh, what, what what does Bond learn in Miami? He learns that uh, a certain Oric Goldfinger is in residence and has been. Uh, taking a particular uh, gentleman to the cleaners at cards every day for the last week and a half. And so he seems to try and find out why that is by sweet-talking a maid give it into the, to get into his... No, even sweet-talking the maid. Just, just grabbing the key. Oh, just take the key. And she's like... Oh, 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 oh. And it's like... Walks off. It's like, yeah. what kind of security are you? Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. I wouldn't want to stay in that hotel. Uh, and in Mr. Goldfinger's suite, he finds uh, Jill Masterson uh, looking over the, uh, the balcony and feeding him information about his opponent's cards. Uh, uh, but it turns out that Jill Masterson quite quickly changes sides. Uh, well, I'll change. Mm. Yes. Did you recognise Jill Masterson? Oh, she in carry-ons as well? Yeah, she had quite a big part in the early carry-ons. Oh, they look the same to me. <laughs> She was the main female character in both Carry On Sergeant, Married to Bob Monkhouse, and Carry On Nurse, the main nurse. Oh, no, I remember her, the nurse, I think. And she was also the woman who Leslie Phillips in Carry On Constable uh, interrupted in the shower, and then it turned out she, she quite fancied him, so that was okay. Yeah, another moment I had an issue with. Yeah. So what about this uh, Jill Masterson, uh, James Bond scene? Any views on that? And how he... Uh, he didn't seem to need to work very hard to woo her. Mm-hmm. Um, and for her, 
if I I didn't understand whether she was just the loyalty towards Goldfinger was so thin that it could be broken in moments instant, or whether she was some kind of slave, and thus as soon as someone some other strong handsome man came along, she was able to feel safe at betraying him. It was certainly a business arrangement because she said that he pays her to be seen with him. But nothing all. Well. Um, but she was quite happy to break that arrangement on the smallest of provocations, really. Yeah. And a nice-looking chap asking her to do so. So they then uh, get involved with each other. Any comments on, on, on that part? No? Well, can I talk about what, what then subsequently happens? What then subsequently happens? It is she is killed. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not time purchase and he, she is killed by being covered in gold paint. Mm-hmm. And you actually believe that James Bond was honestly devastated by this and quite cut up by her being killed. Mm-hmm. They'd only met like an hour before. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was a bit longer than that because there was a cut in that scene. Well, but still, I mean... Mm-hmm. All these people are very uh, quick to get sucked uh, in. Was he was he was he devastated by the fact that she had been you know murdered murdered by the the, the bad guys, or was it that he had been he he knew he'd clearly been bested by Goldfinger here? Or well, was oh, it no more? Well, no. Do you not think it was uh, something to do with the fact that she wouldn't have been killed if it hadn't been him that had that this had happened with? Do you know what I mean? Like. It's all his fault. Yeah. If he yeah. if he if he hadn't have taken the key from that uh, yeah. that maid and went into that room and then you know turned off the the, the hearing yeah, and all the rest yeah. of it, then you know yeah she would probably still be well she'd still be helping Goldfinger cheat cards for the rest of the holiday. I think I think there's an interesting psychological um, uh, analysis to be done of everybody's views on this because my view is slightly different again, which is that he's worried because. He's the obvious person who did it. Oh. No, I didn't get that. Well, they did mention when they went back to London about they had to pull a few strings with the Miami Beach Mm -hmm. police to... To let him out. To get him off. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Ah. So what about uh, the idea of... um, Oh, wait a minute. I have uh one more thing to say about that bit of film. Goldfinger. I do think he's great. Uh-huh. But the early comment, I think it's from Lighter. Uh-huh, it looks Lighter. Um, about his odd accent. Do you think they had to add that in just because he couldn't maintain the same accent throughout the film? <laughs> it's interesting because that's true to the book. Because Lighter says he's, he's British, although he doesn't sound it. And that is the case in the book as well, but he is also in the book clearly actually Germanic of some description. I read that the... the um the actor that played the, it was actually dubbed. Yes, the actual was yeah, dubbed. Yeah, he didn't he didn't speak any of the lines in the film. We well, apparently he does speak one or two. One or two. Um, in the in the pool hall, yeah. pool room. When he's but that makes, that they that thought his agent assured them that he spoke good English, and it very quickly became clear that he spoke better English than anybody else could speak German. But his English was not going to be suitable for the actual sound of the film. So yeah, he was. So they dubbed him instead. Um, I, th- I think he is very good. Get get probe um, in, in, in that in that part. 
so the other thing I was going to ask about there, sorry, it's slightly slipped my mind, which is why I'm waffling a little bit here, uh, is, yes, the idea of being, the, the method by which Goldfinger, Goldfinger, had Jill killed. Again, that's pretty brutal and nasty as well. She must have been, presumably she must have been unconscious when she was yeah. painted, otherwise she would have struggled. Um, there would have been paint everywhere. Yeah, and there wasn't paint everywhere. No, it was very clean. Yeah, it was a clean job. Well done, odd job, because we knew it was odd job, because we saw his silhouette appeared. Um, it was quick, again, so we're only three minutes in, and we've had a couple of, five minutes in, we a couple of very brutal uh, killings, in a way that I don't think you would do in films anymore. All, except you could do them, because it would be a homage to Goldfinger. Goldfinger! I think that's an interesting uh, thought. Mm. As well. So, uh, then we get on to Bond's actual mission for this film. Uh, when he goes back to London and he is told by, well, he doesn't get quite told by M this at this point, but his mission is basically to find out how Goldfinger is smuggling gold out of Britain. And to do that, he is sent to meet Goldfinger. Uh, before that, though, we get the obligatory Miss Moneypenny scene. <sighs> Miss Moneypenny, she does my head in. <laughs> Kate, what do you think of Miss Moneypenny? I don't. I didn't really get it in this film. Like I think obviously because Miss Moneypenny's Judy Dench to me, like no, no, that's um. Oh, oh, who's oh? I thought it was the same person. No, we're talking about the sexual woman. Yeah, is that not? Is that not? No, no. Well, Judy Dench is the boss. M is like the the guy who went. To oh the well, there you go. There's there's my plot. <laughs> Away. Like I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, yeah, I don't know what was going on there. But really. did, did you like the way she was around him? Well, I, I didn't really know what the background to it was. There wasn't much background to it. But she clearly knew that he was womanising. But wanted a piece of the action. But this still wanted some, and you're like, what? I know, she was throwing himself on him. Yes. In a pathetic way, because he was never going to... Not quite, because what she said, when he said, what do you know about gold, money, penny? She said, I know how you can make it into a ring that you wear on the third finger of your left yeah. arm. So she wasn't interested in being just, in just something side. on the side. She, she's interested in a but, proper relationship with James Bond. Yeah, but she can't keep throwing herself against a blank wall. Maybe she's a bit of fun for her. Maybe she does it with all the double O agents that come through maybe, the office. maybe. Is there any, you know, is that, is that a myth that you can be sort of in control by being the most flirtatious woman in the office? I, I just, I, I didn't think that what she was doing was very self-respectful. Okay. Do you think, I mean, I know we haven't watched them for the purpose of this podcast, but you have seen the more modern films with the more modern Miss Moneypenny. Is she more respectful? Well, she more has an actual purpose. And I can't really remember the detail, but uh, I don't remember being quite so upset by her. Well, we'll put a pin in that and, and come back to it when the uh, when we get there. So he goes and meets the uh, the head of the Bank of England, who gives us a little bit of mansplaining about gold. Not really mansplaining, just explaining about gold. And he goes off to meet Goldfinger and play a golf match with him, purely by coincidence. <laughs> You missed out the cue bit. Have we hit? 
No, everything that come afterwards. No. Oh, before they got to Q the golf club. Is that before the golf club? Yeah. Oh, well, okay, the Q bit then, sorry. Because Q gives them the uh, the tracking device. Yes, and the little tracking device. Yep. So, the Q scene. What comments do we have on Q? I love the Q scene. I love Q. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my geeky engineering I think. Uh, and also, I, I enjoy the sort of banter between them. It's like... And, and Jade, please try and bring this all back in one piece. And oh, you've no idea what kind of wear and tear goes on out in the field. Yes, and all that. It's just because um, you kind of get the feeling that Q knows all his shit and he's not taking any of it. <laughs> well, he does take it all, though, doesn't he? He does, yeah, but he, he, knows he's he's not, he doesn't bring any of it back. back. Yeah, yeah, but he, he's he's not bowing to it. He's not countering no. to it. So, you know, I enjoy all of that. And the car. Is is the sexy car? Mm-hmm. I think that's the ultimate sexy Bond car, mm-hmm. um, and it does have all the features of the buttons and the things coming out the side. And I, I bet that was a super cool toy in the, in its day. Well, I remember my um, my dad had the the, the diecast metal. Oh toy. yes. Um, did which it have, like, we still had, it did, did it, it had, it had the ejector seat he, button. Has he still He's, got the, the henchman to eject? Uh, the always were missing. No, yeah, I don't, I don't think we still have that. Oh dear. Um, but it had that, it had the, um, the, the, the bits that popped out the side, you know, the tyre, oh, yeah. the uh, shredders, stoppers, all yeah. that, uh, guns that popped out the front, mm-hmm. uh, it was great. It was the most popular toy of Christmas 1964, was mm-hmm. the, Can you yeah, DV5. Uh, Screen at the back. back. Yeah. How did you test that? What, on the model or on the real <laughs> car? No, how did you know in the model it was still bulletproof? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my dad ever shot it. Because if you shot it, the whole thing would be destroyed apart from <laughs> the bulletproof shield. <laughs> yeah, so we like the DB5, we like the gadgets, uh, the, well, the world's oldest sat nav. Oh, yeah, that was yes. amazing. <laughs> that was the thing. Well, that was so new and, and yes. It was well. It, I presume at the time it was actually impossible. Yeah. Because essentially it was a transparent mat. Yeah. yeah. Over which a, a, a thing leaked. Like, and now we look back and we're like, we've all got one on yeah, our phones. We have this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and your phone is also the tracking device. You know, that no, no, we just need the passenger ejector. <laughs> <laughs> Is I enjoy the fact that his, his souped-up DB5 had four gears, all four gears. <laughs> uh, we're, we're all, we're all. For, so then we went. Then we get to the golf match. Yes. The greatest golf match ever shown on celluloid. Discuss. I know how much you enjoy watching golf, anyway, Fiona. <laughs> In real life. Well, we met Odd Job. That was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah. Uh, I didn't yeah. realise he ever made noises. But ah, he, he made that noise twice. Yeah. And when he was instructing the, when they crashed later on, and he was instructing them to retrieve Bond from the car, he, he, he sort of, oh, oh. A, a couple of lackeys and then oh. picked them out of the car. He's, he's really good, odd job. As an actor. As an actor, as a character. What everything. else was he in apart from I, this? I think he's in, he turns up in lots of films, basically as odd job, or he was, he was actually a wrestler, a professional uh, wrestler, which is why he's billed as Harold Takata brackets Toshitogo, because ah. that's his wrestling name. Um, uh, but yeah, he turns up in, in, in a whole load of load of stuff. So uh, yeah, and and he he does it so well. He does the kind of lovely little smiles and that kind of mm. stuff uh, during the during the the performance, etc. Um, 
My, uh, this scene has my favourite character in the whole of Goldfinger in it, who is Hawker, James Bond's caddy. Just for his fabulous line, if that's his original ball, then I'm Arnold Palmer. No, nobody else enjoyed that as much as me. I think you enjoyed it. I, I found it strange. He, he was American, right? I think he was meant to be Irish. I think, I think the actor is, is British, but... Oh, because I, 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 I thought it was a bit strange having an American caddy in Kent, I think it was, where they were playing. Yes, it must be Stoke Poges. Yeah. It was Stoke Poges Golf Club, yeah. But, yeah, I, 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 I didn't understand that. I, I didn't expect... His accent was not as what I expected as it might be. per the geography of where they were. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but it was quite a funny line. <laughs> I, but I do think that this is one of these things that... I, we've spoken before, um, Fiona, about uh, in 1999, ITV showed all the Bond films in the right order for the first time. And watching Goldfinger in that run, it was almost as if if you'd watched it the week before, it was fine and it was Goldfinger. But that day it suddenly became, this film is really dated. And things that dated it included the Terry Towling bathrobe, the... Dissing of the Beatles, which we didn't speak about, but okay, nobody would do that these days. Um, he said there's certain things you don't do, like uh, drinking Dom Perignon 53 above a temperature of whatever oh, it is. Yeah. Listen to the Beatles without earmuffs. And the reference to, who is the, you know, who is a really good golfer? Arnold Palmer. It's like, yeah, that's kind of dated now. Um, but it took a long time, I thought, for Goldfinger to get to that point of being as dated as that. Mm. So they have the golf uh, match in which Goldfinger cheats, but Bond also cheats, and ultimately Goldfinger loses by Bond cheating him, although he had cheated beforehand. Is this right? Do two wrongs make a right? Can we have this moral discussion? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, Bond was using all his abilities to get what he wanted, um, and therefore he knew going in that he, by hook or by crook, he'd have to win this match because he couldn't give away the gold. Mm-hmm. I think Bond also deliberately missed the putt on the last hole so he could do the ball switch and yes. add a bit more theatre to it. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe if it was a... Say Goldfinger had retrieved his... you know, Found his Slazenger one mm-hmm. when Bond was standing on it on the rough. Mm-hmm. Um, and played it, and they had, you know, he, he needed to sink that last putt, maybe it would have been different. They would have had to play another role. Who knows? Mm. Would they, or would they just have, I, think, I think the problem was, if they hadn't done that, perhaps they would have expected to, I don't know, just do nothing? Pay two, two, two and a half thousand pounds each? I don't know. I think they both would have wanted someone to win. Mm-hmm. But uh, by the end of it, of course, Goldfinger knows that Bond knew, because Bond gives... Uh, Odd job of a golf ball and he crushes it in his hand. Apparently a physical impossibility. But at least it's set up that, oh, odd job's quite a formidable person mm. to have to deal with. And we also got the hat. The hat. The oh. hat. Chopping off the, the capitate and the stone the statue. The statue. Would you like to fancy facing down the hat on a dark night, Kate? No. No. Any more observations on the hat or odd job? Um, the, the whole golf match, I didn't really understand what the point in it was. Okay. Well, the point was to, to get the, the the tracker thing. In the car. Why did they have to do the golf bit first? True. Why didn't they just say, well, that's Goldfinger? Flip that in. Yeah. Nicely done. It was like, 
Well, I think he was trying to get to know him mm-hmm. a bit and try and get some intel, maybe. Yeah. Because he was supposed to be trying to find out how he smuggles the gold abroad. Yeah. So I he... mean, the tracker was just to follow him and then find out more information mm-hmm. from him later. So. Yeah. Which Bond does via an uh, air car ferry. Very impressive. The car's being uh, taken into the um, into the nose of the, the aeroplane. Uh, and then following Goldfinger in Switzerland, where Bond comes across uh, a young lady by the name of Tilly, or who tells him that her name is Tilly Soames, uh, who takes a pot shot at Goldfinger, which Goldfinger doesn't seem to be at all bothered by. Threatened by, because it's any woman. Well, I don't think he even knows. They don't even seem to react to the fact there was a shot at all. No, I, I found that Coming strange. I, yeah. I, I, job. Th- I thought that they must have heard that gunshot. Well, odd job, because odd job looked up. Yeah. And then just gets into the car he and drives away. He kind of smiled. And then, yeah. yeah. It's kind of strange. Um, but it becomes clear. Well, uh, Bond then follows uh, Goldfinger. Well, Bond, first of all, uh, attacks Tilly, or attacks her car. And then gives her a lift to the garage. Mm-hmm. And chats her up, but she's having none of it. So leaves her there and follows, goes to follow Goldfinger. Do, are we explained who Tilly is? We don't know that yet, oh. do we? Not we know yet, we know that no. she's not who she thinks she is because her uh, box is monogrammed TM rather than TS. Yeah. Um, because Bond then stakes out Goldfinger's factory where he discovers how Goldfinger is export is smuggling out his gold. Did we all catch that bit? Yes, it was melting it in the and putting it into the rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is really poor customs. Like, you know, you're you're wondering why people are how people are getting gold in and out of your country. Mm-hmm. Let's Could it check be... everything that they take in and out of your country. What about Maybe his... that massive big metal thing. Could that have anything to do with it? Hmm. Like Oh well. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> it was a different time. <laughs> well, customs! Clearly. I don't know, you wonder, were customs that bothered, or was it just MI5 that was bothered, they or the Bank of England that was and bothered? And they talked about it being like, you know, we've tried so hard, we've been looking into this for ages, and this is why we need you involved. It's like, you've really not tried very hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes you wonder why they didn't get born from the start, because... He seemed to pretty quickly find out, oh, he's melted. Or why that doesn't, or, why or why that doesn't, else. Why it doesn't become Bond's basically stock in trade. He's like, oh, we've got another smuggling job that we've got no idea how it could possibly be happening. Can you help us, James? <laughs> uh, but then he meets um, Tilly again when he's taken out the factory. And that is when it becomes clear that she is Jill's sister. The gold girl. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Out for revenge. She unfortunately doesn't last much longer after that. Um, because she gets killed pretty quickly by the the hat. Mm-hmm. There's then a big chase sequence with another great character who I know you enjoy, Fiona. Which, which is the, the old woman the with old the automatic woman. rifle. That's yeah. brilliant. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've never understood why... I don't know if it's just because it's an old woman and it's Bond and he would never kill an old woman, but... If he's, you know, that that's the difference now between, you know, Bond then and Bond now. I think if that was Bond now, he would have just drove through that woman. Oh, do you think? Yes. Do you think? Yes. He wouldn't have. <laughs> he would have tried to swerve. I'm she not was sure shooting he's... at him with a machine gun. That is true, she was. 
Well, but she, she just seemed to be shooting quite indiscriminately. She was not a very good shot. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't understand why he didn't just keep driving out. Oh. Especially when he was eventually fooled, well, um, he was eventually fooled by the, oh no, you get the, it's the Tilly death that stops that, isn't it? He, but he eventually gets fooled by the, um, mirror of his own reflection yeah. that causes him to drive into a wall yeah. and then get captured. Uh, when we get After which we come to the next iconic scene, which is the laser beam. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die, is what they say in this scene. Um, again, th- this, is, this is one of these, I think, the, the sort of quintessential villain tries to kill you very slowly when you should just have shot him right away. Yeah. Right. And then he left the room. Before he died, well, tried to leave the room. Yeah, when he shouted out, "Ah, oh, you're forgetting one thing." Although that you know the, the the call that Bond made there about what about Operation Grand Slam, mm-hmm. and, and that was a good call to keep himself alive, keep him alive. Because I think Goldfinger was probably quite right to at that point to say, "Well, oh, we better yeah. find out what he knows." Yes, before we uh... because you know double eight or. You know, British intelligence, they might know they this. They might know too, something they about might know more and Operation Grand Slam. Yeah. And my little friend Burke Cook. Love the show, Harry. Uh, Burke Cook, you don't recognise Burke Cook? From Harry Hill's show? No. No? Okay. And also Pink Panther films. Um, so yes, this is, so Bond will be kept alive, thanks to his quick thinking and mentioning of Operation Grand Slam. Although he does know nothing about it at all. Uh, so he then w- he then drugged and wakes up uh, to be confronted by the image of Miss Pushy Galore. That's it. That is, has to be one of the best lines of the film. When he is, I must be dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> I did quite enjoy that. That is a classic line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would you think he was dreaming at that point? What was it she said? My name is Pushy Galore. Yeah. And he, he was like, I must be dreaming. You could just tell that was him. What? Why, was, why would that make him happy? Uh, a lovely lady. Because she was a lovely lady? Uh, with, you know, what she was suggesting she may have lots of. She had lots of cats? <laughs> and so on. Do you think it meant she had multiple vaginas? <laughs> Possibly. I think that was interesting to find. <laughs> she quite, Pussy quite quickly points out that she is immune though, so he can't win her over. Well that's interesting because you said to me in the book, mm-hmm. she, she is very much a lesbian. Yes. Which I hadn't picked up in the book. Which is why she is immune. Like, when well. she said that I thought, oh, but then changed my mind later. Why? She did resist him quite forcibly for quite some time. Until a scene that we're about to talk about quite a lot yeah, when we get there. Yeah. So she, so he has taken to uh, Goldfinger Stud Farm in uh, in Kentucky, uh, where he is immediately put into a little prison cell, uh, while Goldfinger uh, meets with a whole lot of uh, gangsters. And and meanwhile, James Bond has alerted his tracker system, hoping that that will bring someone to save the day, and mm. there and. Uh, Seeing the signal, but thinking, oh, he—he's just uh, ingratiating himself with Goldfinger, and we'll need to just leave him alone and let him get on with the job. Seems a shame. 
They should have worked out some kind of code. <laughs> if, I, if I put the tracker on, it means... It means help me. Help me. Yes. Uh, so, meanwhile, Goldfinger tells us the plot and the gangsters the plot. Oh, yeah, that was quite helpful. Yes. Yeah, plot-wise. Uh, which is beyond smuggling the smuggling of gold, because we know why that happens now, uh, is that Goldfinger is... Well, he tells the gangsters that he's planning to uh, rob Fort Knox. Why did he gas them? And then he gasses them. Because he doesn't then he want to pay them. them. So he that, pay he, them. That's, was it because he didn't want to yeah. pay them? The bigger question is, why did he tell them what he was going to do yeah. before gassing them? Yeah, yeah that didn't... And why did he let the one guy go? I mean, it wouldn't be easy to just gas them all there. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah why did he let one yeah, guy... Like, like, just make them work Mr. for yourself. Mr. Solo, yes. And, and also, why did he... Maybe the reason he told them was because he had created this massive model of Fort Knox that was otherwise pointless and a whole audiovisual presentation of his plot. The room, was, the room was quite impressive, that pool room. It was the room with the massive flaps. It was a room with massive flaps. <laughs> it was a big room, a big room with massive flaps. Yeah. Uh, but Bond overhears some of this because he manages to break out of his prison cell. And it's quite handy that he was being kept under the room where all the important decisions would well, be made. Then? And that he could just pop his head up into the model to see everything. That was very convenient. Mm-hmm. And this is the point at which... Uh, is this the point at which Bond encounters Pushy again? No, this isn't quite the right bit. Uh, well, she was there when they recaptured him. Yeah, but it isn't the point at which they, he t- she takes him to the... The barn. The barn. No, we'll come back to the... We'll, when we get to the barn, we'll go to the barn. Uh, so Bond then is put back into his cell with a hundred thousand guards. I thought it was quite funny. Yeah. There were so many guards guarding him now, watching him at all times. Um, While Mr. Solo was taken off to be, to another brutal death of being, well, first of all, shot, not that brutal, but then crushed to death in a car crusher, which, again, wouldn't have been easier for Oddjob to reach over and pick up the gold, rather than have to then melt down the car and the body and extract the gold, uh, etc., uh, but Goldfinger kind of gets wind of the fact that somebody's watching him, that the CIA are watching him, so he brings Bond out so it looks like Bond's having a good time, which indeed works a charm because that's what Felix thinks is happening as Miss Pushy Galore, but it takes him off. But before that, of course, they enjoy a refreshing mint julep. <laughs> Tart enough for you? And, uh, and we indeed have enjoyed a refreshing mint julep. Some of us have enjoyed it, some of us have not. <laughs> yes. Kate, what was your reaction to a mint julep? It kind of tastes so sick. <laughs> <laughs> but refreshing sick. Fiona, mint julep. No, no, I couldn't. Okay, Craig, mint julep. I liked it. I liked it too. Could be my new drink. Yes. Especially since it takes a while to make with all the crushed ice and everything. Um... Yeah, uh, so, well, we suppose we've, we've, we've played around with it long enough. 50% still a pass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this is now time to speak about Bond and Pussy in the bomb. Does somebody want to tell us what happens in this scene? Kate, what happened from your point of view? Um, the had a bit of a judo-type fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, when we were watching it, and then eventually he kind of overpowers her, mm-hmm. and they end up kissing. 
And we both looked at each other and at exactly the same time went, bit rapey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a bit I mean, He did force himself on her. He forced himself on her. The message that a generation of young men were being told, and I think this might lead to some current, current day issues, is, you know, if you are sexy enough, you can change a girl's mind from not wanting to be with you to wanting to be with you. You just have to persuade them by forcing yourself on them. With a judo throw and... Mm-hmm. And then they will, yeah. um, and therefore, if you just try hard enough, they're eventually going to change their mind and fall into your arms and just think, oh yes, take me now. And um, I just think that... At the time, I've never previously had issues with it, so I think it was very much nobody battered an eyelid. It was family viewing and all this kind of stuff. But I think that those kind of messages were all about us all the time. And I think that's why we've got into this culture where men think that's what happens. I would not be comfortable with letting the boys watch that particular... Yeah, no, I, I have had, um, uh, yeah, we've both got young children. Yeah. Um, and I have been thinking as much as I do enjoy the, uh, um, as much as I do enjoy the, um, sorry, this passing of drinks hanging around me. Um, <laughs> Mint Julep. <laughs> for you? Um, as much as I do enjoy the films and the genre, and it was my, childhood that I would love to share with my son. I have equal reservations. I think I'd just fast forward though. Is the whole film irredeemable because of that one scene? I, I, you'd have to cut it out, either by yeah. fast forwarding through it yeah. or um, literally cutting it out. Could, could you explain no. why this is not good? You'd have to just say... No. But how, how then I, do you explain Pussy Galore's... Because this is another point, is not only does he force himself upon her, but because of this, or, or seemingly because of this, she changes her. She changes sides and becomes a good guy. Well, maybe whilst fast forwarding, I would just say, "Oh, this is when they decide to actually become friends. They quite like each other, and she's going to, and, and just take the sex element out of it." It's, it's not just the sex about. It's not not just. No, the no. Sex. But I'm just it's saying. The, it's the it's the way in which. And and I think I was even more upset when you said, Christopher, that in the books. Oh, yeah. She's blatantly a lesbian. Oh yes. So it's not just turning someone around to wanting you. It's turning someone who obviously has no attraction to any man mm-hmm. into wanting you. I mean, the the, the the very idea of it. It's just. It's almost like Bond can have anybody he wants. I know he can grab people by the pussy. Oh, interesting. I think I think that if you were shown it, to, you you would have to wait until the, the the kids were old enough to appreciate, you know, that themselves that that wasn't right. I don't know if I mean they're actually you could, teenagers. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. You couldn't. I think about that kind of that that kind of age range. But, but we were all watching this far younger than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I think I think it's sort of ten, eleven when you start to. Mm. Yeah, that's certainly how old I was when I saw it. Yeah, but that's too moment. young for this thing, even to I be explained. I think I was 13 when I first saw this film. And, and I take it you had no issue with this? I don't remember having no. an issue with it, particularly. But equally, I don't really remember thinking that it was 
an important part no, of the film. No. So I think the other thing is, when at that age, when I was watching Bond, I didn't necessarily follow the plots most of the time. I was just in it for the witty comments and the mm. and the fighting and the. I mean, and, and this is what I keep saying to it. A lot of films these days, like when we're talking about Star Wars or whatever, a lot of the things that are bigger concepts just go over the kids' heads. Mm. Um, so they probably wouldn't have noticed this. Um, but, it's, but, it's, but, it's, but it's, it's a kind of um, in, it's being exposed. Yeah. To, yeah. You know. I mean, there's another point in the film, um, and I think it might be the woman on the gold, gold fingers, woman on the balcony looking at the cards, uh-huh. said, I like you more than anyone I've met in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I re- based on what? Ten minute flirtation? I mean, I think these are big statements said yeah. about very little... I, I, well, I took, I took that point to be about... The kind of people that Goldfinger associates with are not nice people. Well, no, James Bond, well, yeah, happy. but but James Bond, James Bond, uh, in, for that woman, James Bond has appeared. Okay, he's broken into the hotel room. It's not really her hotel room, but can he appeal? Appear as a gentleman. He is a nice looking chap. I, I'm kind of falling apart with this argument already. Uh, I, I think, it, but it doesn't. I, I see what people are saying. It, it just. I think the film. One thing I commented to Kate when we watched was actually. And I don't know how many minutes, what the runtime is of the film, but it actually felt quite short. So for Jill Masterson, for example, um, although, you know, I mean, she's on the cover of the DVD, The Pain Mm -hmm. of Gold, and it's quite iconic and remembered through the film, she she doesn't have that much screen time in the film. Oh, she's dead in a quarter of an hour, yeah. So there's not much... There's not much chance to explore the backstory into what she might mean about she's not met a, mm-hmm. a man as nice as this in a long time. Mm-hmm. It, you know, is she she presumably will be socialising with more men than just Goldfinger, but is it because she's associating with who he's associating with, and by mm-hmm. by association they are all bad guys, mm-hmm. um, or does she you know does she just happen to hang around only Goldfinger? Uh, those things you, you don't know. Goldfinger. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, we've also learnt in that in that point by that point that Goldfinger's plan is not to steal the gold at Fort Knox, which interestingly is his plan in the books. Um, but as Bond points out, it would take the years to just get gold out of the Instead, he's going to detonate an atomic device in. Fort Knox, which is going to irradiate the gold. Oh, for I thought they were going to make the gold toxic. Yeah, irradiate it. Okay, I thought that. Uh, isn't that means it's got its radiation, yeah, it's, it's radioactive. Um, for fifty-eight years. So if Goldfinger succeeded, there'd only be three years before the gold would be useful again. Nowadays. Today, yeah. There we go. Um, which is uh, now I think this is an interesting point because all because and it also kind of goes against. An earlier statement by Goldfinger in which he says, I love gold, blah, 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 and I will do anything to increase my stock of it, which is considerable. But this plan will not actually increase his stock of it. All it will do is increase the worth of his stock of it. It's a slightly different thing. Um, But what that will do, that's why he's being backed by the Chinese, because it will cause chaos to the Western economy uh, and, uh, and basically bring down the United States. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't think Goldfinger really thought this through because I think if the capitalist economy collapses, his gold is going to be pretty worthless anyway. 
unless you really just just love gold. And so just having it, even if it's worth nothing, will still be enough for Then why make it worth more? In which case, why make it worth more? Why not just steal a few as many bars as you can out of Fort Knox and leave? You've got a bit more, a few more bars. So we wake up. So so far, as you might have noticed, James Bond in the second half of this film has done precisely nothing to uh, stop this. Uh, he's tried to stop this uh, um, plot, um, but he has not, as in his mind, succeeded. So the plot begins, and it looks like it's succeeding because the soldiers all collapse, and Goldfinger breaks into Fort Knox. At which point, Felix comes back to. Life and it turns out that someone has tipped off the military. Uh, well, so we didn't talk about the thing he did. What the thing did he do? He he. Oh no, he did it and then it scuppered. He put the note in the pocket of the man, but then the man ended up was crushed in the car, yeah so solo was crushed in the in the car yeah. Carry on. Uh, so, but by this time, Bond is down in the vault, chained so how did to they the. How did find out that this was happening then? Pussy Galore told them. Uh, because she had now been turned from lesbianism to I called this heterosexuality. I called the twist that Did never you? happened. When you there was that and I said, Craig, I bet you she's told them. Ah, and yeah. swapped the gas for mm-hmm. nothing that the soldiers all just played. They okay, did. Um, but by this time, Bond is in the bowels of the vault, chained to the atomic device. <laughs> Countdown has commenced. Start really quickly. 3, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. It's like, whoa, this is going to go really fast. But then you discover that in the usual film way, it kind of takes a long time <laughs> to get from one number to the next when it suits them. Um, but Goldfinger's henchman, Mr. Kish, who we haven't spoken about, but he's pretty rubbish anyway, uh, bails out at this point. But Oddjob is, is loyal. He's staying to the end. Um, but Bond manages to overpower him. Again, another fairly brutal death by electrocuting him mm-hmm. while he's reaching for his hat on the bars of the... Because the hat is metal. Vault. Yeah. I see what did there. Uh, and then Bond is trying to defuse the bomb, but he's got no idea how to defuse a bomb. What's going to happen? So he's going to just yank a wire until... Another man comes in and goes, just flip this switch. <laughs> At least he was there. And it stops and doubles him. Yes, yeah. although Bond does say three more ticks, and we'd all have been... It's like three more ticks, surely seven more ticks, unless you change that. So, because somebody said, wouldn't it be cool if it was 007 that it was, oh yeah, because that's like his number. Yeah, cool. Uh, so off he goes to meet the president. Um, but when he gets on the plane, who does, who comes out in a general's uniform but Kate, who is it? Good finger. Hey! <laughs> And then, in a, in a, in a strange coincidence of, uh, of, uh, art imitating life, 55 years later, he shoots a hole in the plane, and Goldfinger gets sucked out. It would have been funny if it hadn't been for that thing that happened recently. Yeah. Would it, would it have been funny? Quite well, the effects were... The effects weren't brilliant, but it was 1960. It was a different time. It was a different time for effects. Uh, and who's flying the plane, and, but, uh, Pushy, uh, who, who again, Bond has to help her out at this point to actually save the plane from crashing. And then they bail out and uh, land on their island, where they're about to be rescued when Bond says, this is no time to be rescued, pulls the parachute over and they have, presumably have sex. I think that was now, uh, was it Was it now consensual sex? Oh yeah. It yeah, seemed yeah, to be at this point. Yeah. 
Okay. Could be Which Stockholm Syndrome. encourages the message. Mm-hmm. I think the other problem with the message, of course, is it's not just one generation. This film is still shown as a big film. I know. Almost to the day. And I am surprised that like ITV and Ford don't see the issue with showing this as, as a family viewing of bank holidays kind of thing. Mm. Maybe they will now. It'll be interesting to see the next time it is shown. But, but that, I mean, they could easily have cut out that scene, or at least... There's a difficulty with the plot, though, isn't there, if that doesn't happen? But I think you could do the fighting, and then the... Uh, it's almost... You could take the fighting bit out. No, but... The no, out but no, no, what I think... The, I think if you could cut out the amount... Oh, it sounds awful. But the amount of her resistance... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and make it as if you can do that. Yeah, but make it as if she wasn't against the idea. I think that'd be very hard. Only, I think I think morally it'd be difficult, to, questionable to do, but also it'd be difficult to do because even when he begins to kiss her, she is still resisting. That's the bit you'd have to cut out, I think. You have to kind of go straight to the kiss when she seems quite happy. Yeah, mm. it's tricky. It's tricky. Because otherwise, if you don't show the relationship. You, the whole next bit of the plot doesn't. Yeah. So we, so this piece. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's like board tables around around the world that are having these kind of discussions about a whole raft of TV mm-hmm. because they're realising that they can't ignore even a dated TV thing, but they still have a responsibility if they're airing it. Yeah. I, but I wonder if in this case it might be something where um, this goes against all Hollywood logic. I would imagine. Uh, the makers of Bond sit around and go, hey, guess what? We've made our money out of Goldfinger. Let's just withdraw it. Mm. Yeah, let's not it would, have be this. The, it would be a better thing to do, I think. But then there's they the whole... They wouldn't cashy. No, but there's also the, the, the thing that people who might feel differently to us think, but no, this is, this is too at the heart of British television. Mm-hmm. I want my children to see this. I grew up with these films. I want, why are you taking these things away from me? Why aren't they being shown on telly? I think it would be a shame to lose the whole of the rest of the film for effectively what is like one scene, really, that mm-hmm. I think is... You know, the, uh, I think there obviously are other parts of the film that aren't really acceptable in today's but world. I, but, but you can... But we're not worried about showing that to our kids. Yes, but but... But that one scene, you know, it would, it would be a shame to, like, you know, have the whole film. Yeah. For the sake of that, the whole film. I think you, know, you, you would... I, th- I think if, say, a, say a kid of, I don't know, 11, 12 was to watch the film, I'm not sure if I believe that by watching that one scene, they would think it's okay to force themselves on a woman. But he's so cool. But, but I understand that the logic of that because it's sort of saying, you know, otherwise we would be saying, well, you can't show anybody killing anyone because that's not right, etc., etc. So, so is is this a special case because it is so imitable in so many other but I also parts think of life? If it was the baddie who was doing it, I would have far less issue. But. It's the fact it's it's meant to be the goodie. Mm-hmm. But then, but then, in which case, let me play devil's advocate there and say, isn't that what life is like? Nobody is the goodie or the bad. No, no, people are people exactly, are changing. But of I think it's more it's celebrating it as a success mm-hmm. of his mm. that I have the issue with, rather than mm-hmm. and if it was condemned, 
as something a bad man would do, that would fit into place more. Mm. But I think it's the fact that they've portrayed Pussy Galore as being quite a strong, independent woman that knows her own mind as well. Yeah. I think that kind of just sets... It set, it kind of, up until that point, it set them up quite as equals. And then, and then in that scene, it was very much like... He dominated her. Yes. I, I'm stronger than you. I can dominate you. I, I have ultimate power over you. But to play devil's advocate here, because they did set her up as that strong, independent woman, if she didn't want the kiss from Bond, would she not have just fought back more? I think there's a, I think there's a suggestion because of the physical positions that they are in that he, you know, he forces himself mm-hmm. upon her. Yeah. That's I, I, although I think, I think. I mean, she does cave quite quickly. I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, are, are we agreed that she does, she does change her mind? Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. There's, there's, there's evidence. I mean, yeah. apart from anything else, she wouldn't have done what she did next with the swapping over and mm-hmm. all that. But I think even and within the scene, you can see the way her hands move by the end yeah, of it, that yeah, she is now yeah. pulling accepting him towards her. Yeah. yeah. But again, is, is that, is that just acceptance that this is going to happen? Or no, is I, that enjoyment? I think it was portrayed as enjoyment. Yeah. The thing is, like as adults watching it, you can you maybe makes you feel a bit uncomfortable, but you can see that in the end, you know, it's all fighting. But it's more like, you know well, would, well ch- would would younger children or would children kind of like under twelve be able to make that like kind of emotional would they have that level of emotional understanding uh-huh. that actually it was all okay in the end, but the means weren't particularly... So, uh, so I would suggest then that the film itself, as an entertainment for adults, is not unacceptable. Um, but it is unacceptable as an entertainment for children until the point when that, when that child can understand that this is not acceptable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's my view. That, that's where we are with this. I think it's been a really interesting discussion that we've had on that point. I mean, we've come back to this at this point, and I also think it's interesting that perhaps even a year ago from this point, we might have mentioned that scene in passing and what happened in passing. But I don't think it, I don't think it would have spurred the same debate as it has now. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. But I think we're all waking up to the consequences of uh, of accepting some of these situations when you see the Me Too campaign and you realise how big an issue it is mm-hmm. and that us laughing it off or turning a blind eye is actually complicit to building up that problem. So everyone's taking a bit more of a a personal reflection that any opportunity like this where you ask what you think, you have to stand up and say, actually, I think it's wrong. And I think that there's been a lot of of encouragement of people to do that, that it's become much more natural and day-to-day that not only do we notice, but we feel we have to say something about mm. it. Um, and I, th- I think that's a good thing. But as you say, it, it, it's a recent thing. Okay. Um, let's uh, move on to a new part of the podcast, which I have decided to call the... Have the co- it's a snappy title. Have the compilers of the 50th anniversary James Bond postcard set chosen the right bits of the film to show in their postcards? 
You're going to show us some postcards? I'm going to show you some postcards from the official James Bond 50th anniversary postcard so set. Are these the iconic images of this film? Yes. This does, does this cover everything that happens? You've actually got the cards. I've actually got the cards. Okay. Then you're going to get your iPad out. I don't just make this up. <laughs> this doesn't just happen. I do this. So here is the first postcard. This is all from this film? Yep. This is the poster yeah, for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. The poster from Goldfinger. What's, what's, what does it say on it? James Bond is back in action. Everything he touches turns into excitement. Sean Connery. Goldfinger. But turns into excitement is the scene with, with Honor. Honor. With Pussy Galore. And there is... The naked woman. That doesn't even look like him. No. I, I'm, I'm not liking that one. Okay, that's the poster. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the first image. Is this the iconic image of Goldfinger? Can we describe it? Kate, can you describe it? Oh, it's when he finds Gerald Masterton covered in gold paint and he's well, trying to see if, on. He's, yeah. if she's alive. But he doesn't seem as concerned as I remembered. Like the, his face doesn't seem. That's not a still. That's not. It's not a capture from the film. It's a. It's a photograph they took. Yeah, I think he should be more upset. All right. Okay. But that is an iconic moment in the film, surely. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Number three. Yeah, oh, money, penny. You do disappoint me. <laughs> <laughs> this is it's basically a picture of Bond and Money Penny. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a quirky funness that I think is very appropriate for what. Okay. Golf. Yeah. I, I was interested in that hat. If, if I well, the, that as a the golf trilby hat. hat. Yeah. Oh, it is. He had a trilby as well on the um, gun barrel. The, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that before, and I don't know. He I can't remember if he had it. That, well, you, what you might also notice is that it's not Sean Connery. No. In yeah. the in the gun barrel, and um, that is the same. I think in all the Connery films. Except you only live twice, and definitely it is him in Diamonds Are Forever. It's a stuntman pretending to be Sean Connery, but it's very trilby. I didn't mention this at the time, but in the golf scene, because nobody's interested in golf except me, uh, what I thought was interesting in the golf scene is Goldfinger is wearing very old fashioned golfing clothes, plus yeah, fours, etc. Yeah. Whereas what Bond wears is still what people wear to go golfing mm. now, but was like ultra modern at the time. So I thought that was an interesting sort of contrast yeah. going on there. Okay, next one. You have to describe it first. Uh, it's James Bond leaning against the car in the mountains, looking quite cool. This, I think, is the iconic Bond, Connery as Bond shot. I quite like that shot. one. Yeah, he is attractive in that. He also knows it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sexy and I know it. Yeah, I'm in the swish hills. <laughs> in my Ashton Martin. That, that is a very good one of the baddie. Yeah. What's the baddie's name? Goldfinger. And he's called the model. Oh, now what we haven't, this wasn't the one I was thinking of, but generally, the high-waistedness of the trousers is quite alarming. You did mention that, didn't Particularly you? Particularly when he gets his three-piece Grey suit or something. Oh, well, that's, yeah. a, that's, that's the other photograph. I know. But Goldfinger especially, it. I thought. Yeah, Goldfinger, but trailer. I think even James Bond, I was just like, how high are those going up? I mean, there was a good foot of material between crotch and top. That's because Sean Connery has a very small upper body. <laughs> it's well known. <laughs> Is it? Yes. <laughs> no. 
Um, <laughs> Goldfinger's outfit, though. Actually, I'll tell you, tell you the, the outfit that Goldfinger had that I really enjoyed. Now, we watched it on Blu-ray. You guys watched it on DVD. I'd never really noticed this before, but on Blu-ray, Goldfinger, uh, the, the, the laser beam scene, he has on a dinner jacket, which is brown, apart from the um, lapel, which is gold, and it looks really good. And it's like, oh, I'm, I want one of them. A yes. chocolate brown <laughs> dinner You're jacket. You're not allowed chocolate <laughs> With brown a gold <laughs> lapel. And I, you know, I'm, I'm more in the shape of Goldfinger than I am in the shape of James Bond. So I was like, oh, that's quite good on, on, on the more corpulent gentleman. Anyway, next picture. That's Pussy Galore holding a gun at James, and he looks like he's loving it. <laughs> Just trying to see if you can actually see her nipple, but you can't. No. Very, very, the, uh, the era of women having very triangular breasts. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> you can see that. So Especially Pussy Galore's flying circus, when they came out of the planes. But they, also the... Um, they were But also the woman who was serving on the plane. Oh yes, Millie. Uh, yeah, she had very strange shaped boobs. Odd job. Looking very odd job Lee in the vault. He's not got a hat though. Mm. I know yeah, he didn't have a hat at that point. That, but yeah, that's, that would be more iconic if he had the hat. Mm-hmm. And the last one. The car. Uh, See, it doesn't look sexy like an that. Interesting, I know, the head on, it's a head on shot of the... Of the Aston Martin. Yeah. So, can you think of any images in the film that you think actually they should have put that in the 50th anniversary James Bond postcard set? I think that the the, the laser the, on the table, the laser, the laser beam, yeah. Mm. And I would have said that the the um, wetsuit being pulled down to reveal the tuxedo is mm. a is a iconic Bond moment. There. I don't think I'm thinking of any others. No? No? No. Mm-mm. No. Okay, so, um, what we do. Maybe the room with the giant flaps. The room with the giant flaps needs to be. It would be more iconic than some of the other ones. Right. Uh, next, Shona, we have to speak about where does this rank in your uh, ratings of Bond films so far? So far. Remind me which ones I've seen. At the bottom of the three we've seen, you thought that the man with the golden gun was not as good as Tomorrow Never Dies. Where does Goldfinger, Goldfinger, rank? I think this might be the best. So it's better than? Tomorrow Never Dies. And? The man with the golden gun. And out of the three Bonds that you've seen so far, who is the best? Oh, sure. Sure, sure. Sure, sure. And who is the best villain out of Scaramanga, uh, Elliot Carver, and Goldfinger? Probably Goldfinger. And who's the best henchman out of Nick Knack, Mr. Stamper, and uh, who's the odd job? I'd say odd job. Odd job. And who is the best Bond girl out of uh, Mary Goodnight? The one in Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies. Waylon in Tomorrow Never Paris. Dies. Or, or uh, I, I'm deciding who the Bond girls are. And <laughs> Pushy. 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 Okay. Very good. So, right, that's that's where we're ranking. So, it is now time. This is the point at which 
Uh, we asked Fiona to roll the dice to decide uh, what the next uh, film that we will watch uh, will be. So if you want to roll the dice, Fiona. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh. Right, so we shall uh, watch the trailer and we shall return with uh, Fiona's views. Forensics finally released this. What is it? Personal effects they recovered from Skyfall. You've got a secret. Something you can't tell anyone because you don't trust anyone. I was at a meeting recently and your name came up. You're a kite dancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. Welcome, James. It's been a long time. And finally, here we are. What is the next film, Fiona? I don't know how to sing it. Spectre. Well, it isn't mentioned in the, in the title, so you're okay. Okay. I don't think it's mentioned in the title, so anyway, so you're okay. okay. So Spectre, we're coming back up to date after uh, 55 years ago's uh, Goldfinger with Spectre. And interestingly, a film that you have definitely seen before. Where would I have seen it? In the cinema with me. No, it's like a year ago, two years ago. Oh, three years ago now, nearly. Okay. Yep, I think I think we watched it on DVD at one point as well, and Blu-ray at one point as well. Mm. Uh, so, are you excited to be coming? Up yes, today? I mean, obviously, Daniel Craig. Yeah, I'm very much enjoy his work <laughs> and, and his body. Um, his body of work. His body of work. Um, and you know, I do remember it, so it'll be a very probably a different uh, reflection because it's not like the first time I've ever seen it. Recent memory. And presumably because it's so modern, we shouldn't see any of the problematic elements Ach, that we No, had. they still are about. They're still there. But um, I also know that there'll be probably a lot more to talk about just because they cram so much more into the films these mm-hmm. days than they did those days. I think we've found a lot to talk about in Goldfinger. Yes, but I'm just saying it's bang, 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 and um, and I'll, I'll need to be quite alert. Britain needs alert. To be able to comment on all the plot points, because I think that will be more challenging. Okay, well, in that case, uh, if you are interested in uh, contacting us to uh, give your views on Goldfinger or anything else about the podcast, etc., you can do so at uh, quantumofmrs, that's mrs, at gmail.com, or at quantumofmrs, again, also mrs, on Twitter. Uh, But now we would say thank you to our uh, guests. Uh, Craig and Kate, have you uh, enjoyed your time on the podcast? Yes. Yes, very much so. Would you fancy doing it again? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Well, let us know, dear listener, uh, if you would like that, or basically if you want them never to come back again. (laughs) Or even if you say, well, why don't they do the podcast and you two not speak anymore? Or any combination of of the four, that would be up to you. Uh, And and let us know what you think. And and we'll definitely listen to our dear listeners. Uh, on that point um, but uh, all that remains to be said is uh, join us next time when there'll be a little bit of him and a quantum of Mrs. 
Bye! Bye! Bye. Bye. <laughs>